welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of the Pewter Report podcast and pewterreport.com. Want to say hello to all the lovely pewter people that are just tuning in and joining the chat for the show. We got a fun one as we end this week on a Thursday with how should the Bucks approach free agency? We're going to talk about a couple of areas of need, maybe some player fits, how the Bucks look financially going into this year's salary cap, especially versus last year. And we'll talk about a couple of different Bucks topics that we wrote about on pewterreport.com as well. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is my fellow colleague from pewterreport.com, Adam Slavon, the very talented Adam Slavon, and one of the busiest men that we have at pewterreport.com. Adam, how you doing on this fine Thursday? Matt, I appreciate the intro. I'm doing great on this Thursday. It's great to be back on with you. I know you've been away for a little bit, but we have a big topic at hand with free agency and very excited to talk about all the potential players that could be fits and how this situation compares to uh, last year. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like sometimes, and I'm just speaking for myself, but maybe some people in the chats agree, maybe you agree or disagree. Um, I do feel like at times, and I get it because it's such a exciting topic of conversation, but people forget, like once the season's done, and people immediately go mock draft, mock draft, mock draft. Yep. Hey, look at that mock draft. Whoa, whoa, there's another mock draft right over there. And it's all great stuff. I'm certainly not complaining about it. And I think part of it is also because the combine is coming up at the end of the month. In like two weeks, we're all, and when I say we, I mean all of Pewter Report, we're going to be in Indianapolis for the NFL Combine. So I'm very excited to give all of you guys uh, the top Bucks coverage around, especially for the NFL draft and who the Bucks are going to select. But because we have the combine and all the mock drafts, we kind of forget that free agency is right around the corner as well. That's coming up at the beginning of the new league year, which is right yeah. around early to middle of March, right smack dab into uh, March madness as well. And I think it's important that we bring up free agency because that affects how teams then approach the draft. Because if, if the Bucks sign, let's just say like a backup defensive tackle, well, then maybe they're not necessarily looking at a DT in the fourth or fifth round, which they may if they don't draft or assign a, a veteran defensive tackle. Or maybe they bring in another wide receiver that kind of prohibits the Bucs from taking, let's just say, a second-round wide receiver or, or things of that nature. I'm not saying that's what they're going to do, but you get my point about what can change from free agency as opposed to attacking the draft in certain ways. So I do think it is very um, important to talk about and bring up. And, you know, it's fun to uh, fantasy book at times too. Like, wow, what would the Bucks look like with that guy? Or man, this defense, if they had that safety next to Antoine Winfield Jr., yeah. like that things are, are, are really cool as well. So a lot of fun stuff to get into and keeping with the fun topics, Adam, you had an article that came out today. It was a ranking from ESPN. We're going to talk a little bit about rankings today um, of the all the Super Bowl winners, all 58 Super Bowl winners, ranking them uh, based on DVOA from first to 58. And the box, obviously, they're two winners from the 2020 season and yep. the 2002 season. You could just switch those numbers around. And either way, you got a Bucks Super Bowl uh, winner. Um, they were both ranked. And um, I felt overall, I didn't think the Bucks were disrespected. 
um, no. which I which I thought was important. Yeah, uh, going with those rankings, I thought both teams were ranked very well, actually in the upper half. So the 2002 Buccaneers team ranked 14th all time among the 58 teams, while the 2020 squad uh, ranked yeah. 20th. So maybe the 2002 team, I'd argue, could be a little bit higher just based on how historic that defense was and how great the the 2002 Super Bowl was for the Bucs. The 48-21 win over the Raiders and all the contributions that they had. I thought maybe they were ranked a little too low. Uh, the mm. 2020 team, led by Tom Brady, they had a really great season. I believe they ranked third and fifth on offense and defense. So really well balanced. But overall, yeah, the ratings, they didn't they weren't disrespected. And those were two great seasons. So while all the focus is on maybe next season, the free agency, the draft, you also have to remember the good times. And Tom Brady hoisting up the, the Lombardi there. That's a good time uh, Bucks fans should always remember. Yeah, I think it's important to appreciate the good times in the moment when you're in them because uh, sometimes they very much can be fleeting. I mean, I don't think I have to remind Bucks fans what happened after they won in 2002. It was quite a while before they found success again, and really it wasn't until they won that Super Bowl in 2020. And <laughs> this is a silly hypothetical, but I feel like being a silly goose right now, so <laughs> let's have at it. What if you took the Bucks 2020 offense with Tom Brady, with Mike Evans, you know, the whole team, and you paired that with the Bucks 2002 defense with Warren. Best Tatt team ever, man. And Derek Brooks. <laughs> I mean, where would that rank on the list? Yeah. Yeah. That has to be number one right there. Who was number one? Uh, number one was the 1991 uh, Washington Redskins, uh, followed mm. by the 1985 Chicago Bears, obviously, for their defense. So, I mean. I mean, come on. I get it. The Bears, the 1985 yeah. Bears. That's all everybody can talk about. We don't talk enough about the 1985 Bears. Yes, right. they had Walter Payton, but that was a declining Walter Payton. I mean, it, I don't it, know. Just they, the fridge? I mean. Right, but they, I don't know. They strike me as another, and, you know, I wasn't alive. Neither of us were alive in 1985. I don't think the Bears' offense was really that good. I think they were just predicated. It's like Jim McMahon. Yeah, yeah, they know who the quarterback is, but that he wasn't like a all-pro type of quarterback. I do wonder as well, um, this was kind of like a present topic. Bruce Arians spoke about it recently. The further we go on and the more we see the greatness of Patrick Mahomes, which we're seeing in, in present day with what he just did, the more Mahomes wins, I think the more it like validates what Tampa Bay did to him yeah. in that 31 to nine Super Bowl. So uh, in Tampa Bay, which again is historic in that sense of it as well. Um, I do wonder, and again, like more teams will win, the, the rankings will get higher and things like that. I do wonder if, like, the better this current Chiefs run gets into, um, if, like, that can almost help the 2020 Bucks case uh, a little bit. I think when you look of, like, yeah, go ahead. Like, like 10 years down the line, you're going to rank the 2020 team maybe just as high, if not higher, than the 2002 team. Yeah. If Mahomes, let's say, and the Chiefs, they win another three, four Super Bowls over the next seven, eight years. I mean, you're looking at that 2020 team in a way different light. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I thought you brought up a really good point in the article as well um, when you said that a lot of people remember the 85 Bears, of course, and uh, that Ravens, the first Ravens Super Bowl 
that defense with uh, with Ray Lewis and, and Tony Saragusa, RIP. Let's remember, Ed Reed was not on that first Super Bowl winning team. A lot of people forget about that. That uh, Ed Reed, I think, was still at the U um, at the time. Yeah. So I, I do hope at some point that um, maybe we can kind of look at it again because I think that Bucks defense from 2002 should be looked at as a little more important and on the same level as that Bears team and as that Ravens team that could maybe bump them up from 14 to, I don't know, maybe get into that top 10. And yeah. then same thing with the 2020 Bucks, where, okay, they were, where were they at 20? Um, yeah. Maybe bump them into like 15 or something like that based on one, how they kicked ass in that Super Bowl. Two, whose ass they kicked in that Super Bowl and <laughs> yep. the greatness of that um, of that team as well. So uh, just a, a fun little topic to talk about. We're in the offseason now, so I, I think I, we're going to be serious about a lot of things when it comes to the Bucks. I think it's also fun to have these little exercises of, you know, we're not trying to be first takeover here. Like, well... What does Mike? How does Mike Evans compare to LeBron James in terms of his importance to a team? Yep. Like, you know, we're we're not trying to first take it uh, by any means, but I think it's fun to have these hypothetical conversations and and discussions as well. As Richard Taroka says, but Matt, which era would that game take place in? Twenty twenty or two thousand and two? That's that a good point. Is a heck of a point there, Richard. Because let's also remember that twenty twenty Super Bowl that the Bucks won. Maybe it's a little bit of the Tom Brady effect, but they got a lot of calls their way, especially on that last drive of the first half that ended in an Antonio Brown touchdown. Now, if it takes place in 2002, you still like that you have Brady because he played yeah. in, in that type of era, but you love that you have that Bucks 2002 defense. Um, I think it also kind of helps the Bucks in 2002 because Mike Evans is a pretty damn physical receiver, and how many times have we seen Mike get flagged for offensive pass interference for being a little too physical with the guy. I also think Chris Godwin is more of a physical receiver as well. Ryan Jensen loves to bash skulls. Um, yeah. Tom Kinsu, we know, can be very physical of nature. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people are going to push around Vita Vea as well. What would you pick? Man, uh, putting the Putting him in 2002, I think, would be just a lot of fun because it was a different style of play back then, too. Like you mentioned, the yeah. physicality being different and the rules were different, too. And you mentioned like how maybe the Bucks got some calls their way in 2020. You bring it back to 2002. A lot of the things aren't being called. So seeing that, I think, would be awesome. And one more point I had on the, yeah. the teams we were discussing. So the 2002 Buccaneers, when you look at like the best defenses of all time, I was looking at a list, a lot of them, like the 1966 Packers, the 1975 yeah. Steelers. But modern day, it's really yeah. the Ravens, the Buccaneers, and you can argue the Legion of Boom Seahawks. Those are maybe the greatest defenses in this century. So that further brings home the point, as offenses keep getting more advanced, it's really hard to have that historic defense. And that Bucks team of 2002 really had it. No question about it, Adam. That's a that's a really good point as well. As Nathan Elliott says, uh, All-Star <laughs> oh, would have crushed Devin White. Yeah, we're not saying the Bucks 2002 team against the 2020 team. We're saying if you make a super team of the Bucks and it's essentially the 2020 offense and the 2002 defense, how would that look against other opponents? That would be a fun exercise one day. If you took the best players for every single team, every team gets their super team. You know, yeah. the, the Steelers get 
I don't even know who their quarterback would be. Would it be Terry Bradshaw? Would it be Ben Roethlisberger? Anyway, you get my point. You take the best players of every single team at every single position. Who has the ultimate, ultimate super team? Like, do you get Tom Brady Bucks against Tom Brady Patriots uh, in that type of game? I think that would be very fun to see. Uh, another very fun thing we love seeing is Super Chat. So let's get it popping with Mike Wells. Thanks, Mike, for the $5 Super Chat who says, awesome show so far, Matt and Adam. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Tip of the cap to you. (laughs) Um, Do you guys think there's a chance we could bring back Jordan Whitehead at safety? Also, would love to get uh, Noah Font at tight end. So tight end thing we definitely will be talking about. Um, As for Jordan Whitehead, I understand the overall – love and ideology of bringing back Jordan Whitehead. Oh, he was on that Super Bowl winning team. He had a lot of interceptions last season. He had four interceptions for the Jets, but let's also remember that three of those came in for the first game of the season on Monday Night Football against Josh Allen and the Bills. The Bucs wanted Jordan Whitehead to return um, when he was a free agent with the Bucs. The Jets just gave him an offer to the point where the Bucs had to go, Hey, we like you, but we're not going to pay you that. Now, Whitehead kind of is getting phased out a little bit with the Jets. They got another guy, Tony Adams, who was an undrafted free agent that's kind of taking over that role at safety that that the Jets like to implement. And uh, it's not like Whitehead wasn't an impact player for the Jets, but again, contracts and money, if you can get a guy to do the same job or, or even better for cheaper, that's just the way that the NFL goes. Um, I couldn't remember if Whitehead has one more year if he is a free agent. Uh, he um, is a free agent. He is a free agent. Yeah. yeah. So I think Whitehead may not get the same contract that he just got with the Jets previously. But with that said, the Bucks' salary cap situation, while much better than it was a year ago, the name of the game for the Bucks and their free agency is going to be We got to re-sign the guys in-house. And then anybody that we can find after that is more of a surplus. But it's going to be a little bit, once again, of pennies on the dollar, trying to find the discount, trying to sign a guy cheap that maybe was buried on the depth chart a little bit and then can now reach his full potential. It worked a couple seasons ago when they signed Jack Barrett in 2019 and obviously went on to have a historic season and goes down as one of the best free agent signings in Bucks history. Didn't work as much with someone like say Ryan Neal, who was great to talk to in the locker room, but struggled on the field. Yeah, no, Matt, you make a great point there. It's kind of like last season, they were shopping at the Dower store. Uh, this yeah. season, the Bucks will be shopping at the Dower general. It's like, yeah. Hey, upgrade <laughs> a little bit, but it's like, you're still kind of on the bottom tier. Look, looking for bargains. When you look at the deal set, they need to re-sign Baker Mayfield, Mike Evans, um, extend Tristan Wirfs, Antoine Winfield. You got to bring back Levante. And hey, yeah. Chase Bank is always open. You got to bring back Chase McLaughlin. That's right. You're maybe you're maybe looking at after some restructures, letting some players go, like 10, 15 million. That's not going to be enough to bring in a star, but you could bring in a couple of starters at maybe some positions in need. And when uh, going back to the question at safety. I do think there are some better options um, besides Jordan Whitehead there and tight end. uh, I know you talked about one option and there's also another in Gerald Everett, 
uh, who's familiar yes. with Liam Cohen going back to uh, his earlier time with the Rams before going to the Seahawks and the Chargers. And do you want to talk about the other tight end you recently wrote about? Yeah. Uh, first, <laughs> love this comment by G Vegas. He says, last year we ate at Mickey D's. This year we are going to Applebee's. <laughs> love that comment there from uh, G Vegas. So I had wrote an article today. Honestly, I don't know about you, but like, we write so many articles that sometimes I'm like, wait, when did I write that? Like last week? Yeah. That was two months ago? Wait, what? Like <laughs> there are some articles that like stay in your head so much. And there are others that like, I don't know, once you write it, it you, you kind of move on from it. But uh, there was an article from Pro Football Focus. Shout out to Brad Spielberger, who's one of PFF's top like cap guys, but obviously uh, very well connected and, and does a great job just as an overall writer. He would also be on the J and Z show a lot on 620 WDAE, which obviously we have a great partnership with as well. He was on every week during the season. I don't know what their plans are for Brad this season, but um, if he is back on, I would highly recommend listening to every single interview that he does because he is just a great football mind. But anyway, as I uh, keep rambling on, um, Spielberger, he came out with an, an overall article of like the top 150 free agents going into um, this year. And then kind of broke that down a little bit more with some of the free agents, broke it down with like quarterbacks and running backs, wide receivers. Anyway, so there was one article about, um, I think it was running backs and tight ends. And obviously talking about the tight end position, Spoke about a former Miami Dolphin player was with the Patriots last season. That was Mike Gusecki, who spent a number of seasons with the Dolphins and spent last year with the Dol- uh, with the Patriots. So has stayed in the AFC East for all of his career. But um, he had a nice little matching with Gusecki and the Buccaneers as a potential free agent fit for this offseason. He'd be relatively inexpensive once again, and I'm going to put the article in the chat for everybody. Um, it would be one of those cheap signings for the Bucks that they need. Um, and an overall an upgrade in the passing game. I'm not going to read all of his uh, comments on it because you can go to PFF or go on pewterreport.com and, and see it as well. But kind of the big reason for bringing in Gasecki is the fact that the Bucs had a 48.1 percentage in the red zone conversion last year. That was 28th in the league. So we yeah. all saw the struggles that the Bucs had in the red zone. Now, Gasecki had some of his best years with Miami, uh, especially in 2021, where he ended up with over 700 receiving yards, um, only scored two touchdowns, but the next season in 2022, had five touchdowns. Now his last year with the Patriots had about 200 and um, see here, 244 receiving yards and he scored two touchdowns. So on the one hand, you could look at it and say, huh, is he on the decline? But then if you go a little bit further, the Patriots offense was just an horrible mess last season, an absolute mess. Um, The year before that with Miami, where the receiving yards came down, but the touchdowns went up. If you remember, Tua got hurt that season. He played in 13 games, but, you know, one of those games doesn't account for when he got hurt against the Bengals, like, almost immediately. And there were a couple of other games where Tua played a little bit, and then he was out for the rest of the game. So, Skylar Thompson, the former Kansas State Wildcat, so, sorry, Scott, you're going to hear me talking about 
Skylar Thompson in a negative way, but he was essentially their third string quarterback that came in. And obviously you saw the Dolphins struggle when he was their quarterback. So did that play a big factor in Gusecki's numbers coming down? I would be willing to say so. Even on top of that, with the 244 receiving yards that he had with the Patriots last season and the two touchdowns he scored, that's more receiving yards than Payne Durham. That's more receiving yards than Keith. It's David way Wells. more receiving yards than David Wells, who had negative receiving yards yep. on the season. And that's more touchdowns than all of those guys combined. Because Keith, who only had one catch on the season, I may add, had one touchdown on a, on a play-action play at the goal line. So, yeah, you look at those numbers and you're like, mm, don't love that, don't love seeing that. Outside of Kate Otten, who played 100% of the snaps in pretty much every single game, I think the lowest snap count total for Kate Otten on the year was like 96%. Yeah. Um, Gusecki, as a receiver, blows everybody else out of the water. And I think with Liam Cohen, what will be big is you'll see a lot more of two tight end setups in his offensive structure and formation. I like Kate Otten, don't love him. And I think he's better suited as a tight end too. But if you bring in two guys that can play a tight end too, you piece it together and you get like maybe a slightly below average tight end one. But I think it's important for the Bucks to add an extra big body because uh, yep. Brad Spielberger goes on to say that Gusecki, and I'm paraphrasing here, can kind of take that Cam Brate role that Brate had with the Bucks, who was with the team for years. And obviously he was on the decline in 2022, his last season with the Bucs. But there's no denying what Cam Brate meant to the Bucks' offense, specifically in the red zone. Like, let's not forget, Cam Brate is fourth all-time in receiving touchdowns for the Bucs with uh, 33. Yeah. Like, he had production in the red zone. So I, I know Gusecki isn't going to bring anything as far as a run blocker. He struggles heavily as a run blocker, so you're going to have to disguise that in certain ways. But in terms of just a cheap, inexpensive option and an upgrade, in my opinion, in the tight end room, I think it's um, I think it's something to consider for sure. But to your point, Adam, Gerald Everett, I think, is an even better fit based on yeah. his history with Liam Cohen and the Rams and his production with the Rams. I think that is probably the best fit of them all. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you make a great point about Kaseki and even the point uh, with Everett is that maybe they're not the strongest run blocker. And it would depend on the direction that the Bucks want to go next season if they want to be more run oriented and maybe having that blocker. Maybe that's somebody better than Coke Keefe. If they target Ben Sinnott, yeah. another K-State guy mm -hmm. at the tight end position, maybe you could argue that Kaseki wouldn't be a fit. But if they need that receiver, that big target in the red zone besides Mike Evans, having another tight end in the room would be huge. No question about it. Love this uh, comment from G Vegas who says, funny how people are giving props to the Rams for dealing with dead cap and going to the playoffs and not winning yet. Bucks did that and won a playoff game and had more cap issues to, uh, to deal with. Yeah. Maybe it's the Hollywood effect with the Rams in LA, yeah. but um, you know, both teams I think deserve credit for they went all in, they won Super Bowls in back-to-back -back years and when many people thought they were going to take a major step back, sure, the Rams didn't make the playoffs um, a year or two later with all the injuries, with, and then Baker made it the big play. Um, 
But yeah, I think both teams deserve credit for kind of being able to build themselves back back up without tanking extremely. But sticking with the tight ends for one more second. Um, yeah, I think still bringing in a, a veteran is important unless they want to draft someone else. But is it too early to give up on Payne Durham? I know he didn't do much. He had five catches for 58 yards on the season, but he didn't even get brought in until halfway through the year in terms of like even dressing him on game day. Is there still a little bit more to unlock with Payne Durham? How do you see that playing out? I would say so uh, in regards to Payne Durham. Kind of as a late round draft pick, they brought him along slowly. But back when he was a Boilermaker at Purdue, he was a red zone threat. We saw it live at the Senior Bowl. I'll never forget that one play in the corner of the end Mm -hmm. zone where where he and uh, Cody Mauk, they were celebrating after. But when you look at Payne Durham, definitely see him as a red zone threat. Now, where he could grow would be in blocking. If he became a good run blocker, I could definitely yeah. see him getting on the field more. But I don't think it's it's too early to give up on Payne Durham just based on his skill set. It still has value in the NFL. But again, you could use another veteran in the room and the youngest tight end room in all of football. That's another excellent, fantastic observation is that that was a really, really young group that probably at times was way in over its head and I think you're right about if he can improve as a run blocker because then you can really move around the pieces of the depth in terms of with all due respect to to Keith, I get it I mean he's more of a fullback at this point yeah. than he is a tight end we're talking about a fullback of a group that had the worst run game in the league so I I'm not calling for Keith's job or anything like that but if you can kind of cut Coquif a training camp and keep him on the practice squad, then you have a little more room to run with in terms of you got Kate Otten and then either Gasecki, Everett, something like that. You got Payne Durham as your tight end three, and then you got I a think competition. That's a lot better. Yeah, and then you got competition for tight end four if they bring in someone like Sinnott or draft someone like Sinnott, I should say, out of Kansas State or one of the other tight end prospects out there. And then Tanner Taula is a guy yeah. that – was in the competition to make the team last year at tight end, and he was on the practice squad all season. Maybe he has a little more development going into this year and, and what could happen. I definitely think there needs to be change. And if, if Durham can improve as a blocker, I think it's just better for everybody because then he can get in on some of those two tight end sets and will definitely be yeah. in on the three tight end sets. And you think, oh, he's just in the block, and then nope, play action, bam, 30 yards down the field. As you said, he's got that athletic ability. He made the big play at the senior bowl. And then you can kind of disguise Gasecki a little bit more or Everett, whatever the case may be. So uh, I think it's important for the Bucks to have options, almost as much as it is important to have options when you're choosing the best energy drink around, which, of course, is Celsius Energy Drinks, the official Energy drink of the Peter Report podcast. You guys got to check out their newest line of Celsius, which is the Celsius Essentials. They're 270 milligrams of caffeine to help you lift fit, and there's no sugar. These are bigger cans as well, so you're getting way more bang for your buck. They consist of three essential aminos that provide you with an unbeatable combination of ingredients that support your physical and cognitive performance. You can get Celsius Essentials nationwide at 7-Eleven, 
and you can pick up their three flavor variety pack at Walmart, as you see on the screen there. Uh, the Blue Crush is a fan. They're all fantastic, but if I got to pick one, it's the Blue Crush for sure. Yeah. Um, and they're rolling out nationwide to select retailers, and sooner rather than later, you can pick them up over at Amazon. So whether it's the Celsius Essentials or maybe some of the OG flavors, the cucumber lime, the Fuji apple pear, sparkling orange, uh, let's see, tropical vibe, peach vibe, and of course my favorite, the Arctic vibe. Regardless of what flavor of Celsius it is, go to the Celsius website, punch in your address, and it'll tell you the closest geographical location where you could pick one up. It could be at your local Walmart, 7-Eleven, health and fitness store, or if you're lucky enough, it might just be your bodega. Bodega. That was good. That was deep. I That was <laughs> deep. I liked it. Um, and once you keep going to your bodega and you want to get it in bulk, that's when you head on over to Amazon, get the variety pack, this variety of spice of life, and uh, you could have Celsius shipped to your place of residence whenever you want. Could be a week, month, quarterly, yearly. You're in charge. You're the captain. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius energy drinks, the official energy drink of pewterreport.com. All right, a lot of good discussions about the tight ends. Uh, let's look at a little bigger picture for the Bucks yeah. and, and their free agency. So going into this right now, I believe, with players off the books and things of that nature, Bucks have around $47 million in cap space to, uh, to, to, to deal with. With that said, there are other restructures, cuts, different things of that nature that they can do to increase that cap space. I believe Josh Capo had written in an article recently, you can get all the way up to like 67 million in, yeah. in cap space, which obviously would be pretty big. I think Russell Gage obviously is, is one of the top targets that unfortunately could be no longer uh, on the Bucks roster going into this season. The Shaq Barrett thing is dicey because they're not really saving a ton of money by letting no. go uh, of Shaq. It's more of just opening up a, a roster spot and saving them more money down the road. So that would be a an interesting tightrope to to walk for sure. Um, but at least I, I think overall, it's it's obviously better that they're going to have more cap space. But to me, I think it's just a lot more of can they resign Antoine Field Jr., Baker, Mike Evans, and uh, and things of those nature. Yeah, and um, there's a couple of comments pointing out the cap space will actually increase based on the yes. salary cap rising for next season too. So it won't be official yet until the new league year begins, but Hey, more money helps. And in the bucks case, they really need to bring back all five, all five big free agents, uh, as you mentioned with Mayfield yeah. Evans, things of that nature. Uh, another move that they could make is getting rid of Carlton Davis jr. Or yeah. Carlton Davis, the third, um, yeah. because that would save, I think seven, 8 million, mm -hmm. which would help, but then again, you have to find a second cornerback to is that Zion McCollum? The Zion McCollum slide to safety. Um, yeah. The pieces will start falling in free agency in March, and then the draft. You have to look at are there players available that could maybe fit that role? Uh, Cameron Kinchins, who we saw at the Senior Bowl, mm -hmm. uh, Tyler Newbin, uh, Golden Gopher, compared with yeah, Antoine Winfield Jr. Yeah, all up there in Minnesota. But there's a couple, <laughs> couple safety options to consider there. Um, I did want to ask you about the edge position. And there's yeah. one guy that you know better than probably everyone watching. Uh, mm -hmm. Bryce Huff from the New York Jets. Had 10 sacks last year. 
Uh, Josh Capo wrote about him and maybe commanding like a $15 million a year contract mm-hmm. that could be too rich for the Bucks. But do you see him being a fit in Tampa Bay? So to to talk about his contract, I would say $15 million is is out of the Bucks price range, which is unfortunate because I really like Bryce Huff as a player. What's tricky with Bryce Huff specifically in free agency is that he essentially had a part-time role with the Jets. And his story's really cool. He was an undrafted free agent and became, the, without question, the Jets' best pass rusher. With that said, they specifically only put him in, you know, second and long situations and third downs. Also, with that being said, you knew what he was going to do, and he got the job done over and over and over again. So yeah. as a pass rusher, you have to love what he saw, what you saw, especially if you're a Bucks fan, because the big thing with Robert Sala, personal friend Robert Sala, who I met at the NFL owners meetings a couple of years ago, the Jets do not blitz. They are the anti-Tom Bowles defense. I mean, and obviously Tom Bowles did coach the Jets once upon a time. Robert Sala's Jets defense does not blitz. They get home with their pass rushers up front, with Quinn and Williams, the defensive tackle, with uh, Jermaine Johnson, who played at Florida State on the edge, and Bryce Huff on the edge as well. That was a huge issue for the Buccaneers this season, was just getting after the quarterback with four guys, or maybe a fifth guy, something like that. So you know Bryce Huff can get the job done without any help around him, because it was just, hey, one-on-one, beat your guy, and he did over and over and over and maybe he didn't get to the quarterback every single time, but he got a ton of pressures. He made the quarterback get rid of the ball quickly, and those are all huge things for a defense like Todd Bowles. Now, can you imagine if they got a guy like Bryce Huff, Todd Bowles ain't going to just stop blitzing just because they got Bryce Huff. Now yeah. you got to think that tackle has to think about a corner coming off of the edge, or Antoine Winfield Jr. at safety, or a stunt or a twist that Bryce Huff didn't really do that much. Now he gets to add that it becomes an even scarier situation for the offensive line with Bryce Huff. Now, the big question mark is, can you play him on first and second down as well? Can Bryce Huff stop the run? Can you yeah. drop back as an outside linebacker, which is what he would be playing in a Bucs style of defense? Those are answers that we, those are questions that we can't really answer at the moment. This is something that Bryce Huff, has gone on social media about and said, I want to prove that I can be an every down defensive lineman and defensive end and edge rusher and things like that. Do I think he can do it? I think it'll take a little bit of shine off of him because he's not the biggest of guys. He doesn't totally have the size. He's got a cool sack dance where he just Ooh. moves. He just shimmies his shoulders a little bit like that. It'll fit in with the Aya and Kalaja. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, it would. So, I think for $15 million as the projection that Josh Capo had for that amount of money, I don't think you can just sign a guy that is a third down pass rusher. And Hey, we hope he can do it on first and second down. It'll be interesting to see what the jets do. Cause they could franchise tag him. I know they really like him teams every single year overpay for players, especially for an edge rusher like that. I think Bryce Huff kind of, it, I don't want to take away from what he does as a player, but I think it's one of those situations where he's in the perfect spot with that Jets defense where they just let him go and let him do his thing, and he's great at it. Um, I wouldn't pay him $15 million as much as I really enjoy watching Bryce Huff. 
But man, him on the Bucks defense would be an absolute treat. Absolute treat. Yeah. Uh, there are a couple other options uh, I was looking over. So Andrew Van Ginkle from the Dolphins. Yeah, uh, some, like him somebody too. who really uh, lit it up on the PFF metrics. I think graded out at like a 91. But mm-hmm. what really intrigued me about him was his free agency like comparison was Shaq Barrett before he joined the Buccaneers. Right? Because he's been a part-time player uh, the past couple seasons for the Dolphins. Last season did really well, had six sacks. He could be somebody to consider. And then also Josh Uche uh, from the New England yeah, Patriots. Was on you the talk cover. about, yeah, you talk about Bryce Huff being maybe that pass rush specialist. That's kind of what Uche is. And yeah. he in twenty twenty two he had eleven sacks paired with Matthew Judon. Mm-hmm. And if you bring him down to Tampa Bay, maybe on a one year deal, him alongside Yaya Diaby, if you keep Shaq Barrett, kind of could fit that pass rushing mold. And hey, he might have a bounce back season. Because uh, besides that 2022 year, he's really only had between one and three sacks. So yeah. more of a inconsistent unknown compared to Bryce Huff, but maybe it's a, a poor man's version of him. Van Ginkle, I love the overall um, just like hustle and effort that yeah. he brings. And I think that would fit well with the Bucs. I mean, we've seen times where Vita Vea will run 20 yards down the field to stop a running back or a wide receiver on a play. I think hustle-wise, Van Ginkle is an excellent fit. Uh, with Uche, I think I wouldn't mind, and it's a little bit different here, but how like the Chiefs and Chris Jones agreed to a one-year deal, and it's like, all right, we're going to pay you a good amount of money, and then you can kind of get paid even more in this year's free agency. I wouldn't yeah. mind if the Bucks for like, they go to Uche and they say, all right, we'll give it to you for one year. We'll give you a one-year deal, a good amount of money, money that you'll be happy with, and you still got to prove it. So even if we don't re-sign you or try to sign you the next season, you set yourself up to go get a bigger payday somewhere else. I wouldn't mind the Bucks committing to a big contract to an outside free agent just for one season. So it's one and done off the books. If it works, then, hey, you could talk about extension, franchise tag, whatever. And if it doesn't work, then, well, whatever. It was only for one season. I don't you necessarily. You put the band on it. Yeah, yeah, and you rip it off. So I don't necessarily hate that. Yeah, and one other option up front where we're talking like defensive line, front seven. Uh, also really like Danico Autry from the Tennessee Titans. Mm-hmm. If you look at maybe Will Golston leaving in free agency or retiring, probably retiring, uh, and Logan yeah. Hall, maybe they're not confident in him being a starter. Autry last season, I was looking at it, he had 11 and a half sacks and mm-hmm. kind of has gone under the radar in his career. If you're looking for that defensive lineman, if you don't want to draft another one because you're you're happy with Vea and Cansey, you still need that third guy in a 3-4. Yep. So Autry, uh, I think he weighs 285 pounds, a very physical guy, and has the production too. I felt like he hurt the Bucks last year in that game against – I mean, obviously the Bucks like ended up smoking the Titans, but I thought Autry um, did some stuff uh, – uh, against that interior offensive line, which as we talked about needs to uh, needs to improve, or at least they want them to improve on this season. I feel like with the defensive line last year, I was ready to be done with Will Golson. And then Will Golson goes yeah. out and has an interception and played better. He got this better year. as the year went on. Yeah, He played better this year than he did the year before. I think Greg Gaines, whether it was camaraderie thing, because all the Bucks do is sign and draft Huskies or, uh, because he got along so well with, with Vita Bay and Greg Gaines got a couple of sacks. I wouldn't mind him as a re-signing, especially for 
a cheap deal. And I think he would be more inclined to come back just based off of his relationship with, with all those guys on the team. But I am ready. The problem is like, you're not going to get rid of Logan Hall because you could still hold out hope that this is the year that he really steps it up. Yeah. Will Golston, I feel like for as long as he wants to play, that's as long as the Bucks want to have him. At the same time, I want a more stable change for yeah. the Bucks. Like, for example, like you had Akeem Hicks, he was gone. You bring in Greg Gaines, he's a one year by one year type of dude. Like, he, I don't think he's a long term option for the Buccaneers. And Will Golston's been there for however long it's been now, over a decade. And it's been yeah. awesome what he's been doing. But outside of Vita Vea and Kalaja Kansi and Logan Hall, I guess that's a lot of names right there. But you got those three guys. I, I just want a little bit more stability after that. Like, I want a rotation of defensive linemen where, yeah, Vita Vea is going to be on the line the whole time. But when he has a break, when he's out for a series, bam, you just put in somebody else and can kind of keep that same – gusto going kind of like when sue was there it's like all right Bay and sue if one of those guys takes a break the other dude's going to dominate now maybe if kalijah Kansi continues on his trajectory he'll just be that guy and it's nothing to worry about um but i don't necessarily know if they want to commit a ton of money to um defensive tackle just because of yeah. all the other needs that they have on the team but i definitely think it's a a, a fair question and and something to think about for sure. And, you know, that's one of those things with free agency versus the draft. You see some of the differences. For example, you can't bet on free agency unless it's like one of the top guys. But you can bet on the NFL draft. How yeah. many SDC players will be drafted? How many Big Ten guys? How many defensive players go in, in, the, first, uh, in the first round? How many wide receivers within the top five picks? There are so many different options to choose from betting on the NFL draft. And if you're going to bet on the draft coming up, or maybe you want to bet on the NBA, I think the all-star game's coming up. And of course the NHL baseball just got spring training underway. So you can bet on baseball sooner rather than later, whatever you're going to bet on, make sure you go and do it over at mybookie.ag. And when you do, you sign up. Use that promo code Pewter, that's P-E-W-T-E-R, get a first deposit bonus, a welcoming bonus, when you sign up with mybookie.ag. So you're just getting free money in your account, absolutely free, just by signing up and using the promo code Pewter. Even if you learned Plant City Math, you know that that is a heck of a deal. So whether it's all the major sports I just mentioned, could be the UFC. Tiger Woods is currently golfing right now. You can bet on Tiger when he's at the Masters in April. Go to mybookie.ag. Use that promo code Pewter. And check out their online casino as well. I know a lot of people have been thinking about casinos lately because the Super Bowl was just in Vegas. And that is the global network of casinos. They are fun. But if you want to have that fun, you're like, ah, I don't have as much time. I can't get out of the house. That's fine. You can do it right from the comfort of your own home, right on your couch. Go to the online casino at MyBookie. Start hitting the slots. Play blackjack, roulette, whatever your game of choice is. Just make sure you do it over at MyBookie and use that promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R. Shout out to MyBookie. All right, Adam. A um, couple of other positions, things of that nature, that topic that you want to get into as far as uh, free agency 
and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, so we were talking about the defensive line. Uh, I think the bigger need would be on the offensive line, especially yes. looking at the guard position and the center position. Uh, saw the news, uh, 3.50 p.m. just before our podcast. Uh, yeah. Cody Whitehair from the Chicago Bears was released. Mm-hmm. Maybe he could be an option. Had a kind of a down year with the Bears, to say the least, this past year. Um, but really, at the beginning of his career, was a Pro Bowl caliber center yeah. uh, before transitioning to left guard. At 32 years old, he might be that that Matt Filer that they get for like two and a half, three million. Uh, he's an option. A couple other names could be uh, Ezra Cleveland, uh, Dalton Risner, uh, who Josh Capo recently wrote yeah. about in an article. Uh, you also have Damian Lewis from the Seahawks, uh, Jonah Jackson from the Lions. And then looking at the center position, uh, Tyler uh, Biazic from the Cowboys. Uh, and Aaron Biadish, yeah. yeah. Tough name to say, but yeah, Biadish, yeah. Tyler Biadish. And then uh, Aaron Brewer from the Titans. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of options there, whether it's a center position, the guard position. Is there anyone in particular that maybe you have your eye on? I noticed you didn't say your boy, Jason Kelsey. Yeah, yeah, not my boy Jason Kelsey. Might be out of the price range, but yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm just busting shots. There's not really a name that sticks out to me in terms, and I, admittedly, I got to do some more research on the the free agents available on, on the offensive line, specifically at guard, which the Bucks will be targeting. I think it really comes down to is like, do you really want to sign someone that's going to give you the same amount of production that Matt Filer did because if that's the case I'd rather pocket the money and try to sign like another cornerback for depth or safety for sure um, instead now I know Dalton Reisner was a guy that can really bang skulls Um, Scott's obviously was a big fan of him going back to the senior bowl which he participated in I think Reisner would be something to to keep an eye on especially with Jason Light being from Nebraska and having an affinity for Midwest guys and and guys that played in the I, I know Nebraska's the Big Ten and Nebraska's the Big Twelve, but guys that kind of like played over in that area. I just think yeah. the big question is, do you want to sign a, a veteran center? And you're kind of going the Ryan Jensen route again. You sign a veteran center that puts Robert Hainsey as a backup, and you keep Cody Malk at guard. Or do you move Cody Mount to center and try to sign a guard? And then you kind of have to, yeah, and draft the guard. But so here's the thing. And I talked about this a little bit on yesterday's show, but I'm curious to get your opinion on it. If you move Cody Mount to center and you draft the guard, you're doing this for three years in a row now where you you draft the guard and you start them and you hope everything works out. It didn't work out with Luke Gedeke, but then it worked out with Luke Gedeke in year two when they moved him to tackle. Cody Malkus at a good spot right now in terms of what he did as a rookie. Sure, there were some growing pains. But overall, I think we're all in agreement. He was steps ahead as a starting guard than Luke Gedeke was when Gedeke started at guard. It's a little bit of a, I guess not a coin flip because this is three and there's only heads or tails on a coin. But it's a little bit of just like a a roll of the dice because there's multiple sides of the dice. There you go. I I personally would think it's better to sign a veteran center, a guy that you trust a little bit more, and keep the development of Malk at guard versus move Malk to a new position in year two, and then you bring in a veteran 
or you draft the rookie, excuse me, and you're kind of back at square one, except for two inexperienced guys at one position than, than just one. But what do you think? I would agree with you there. I think you make a great point. Uh, having a veteran center, I think, is crucial because you need that communication with the quarterback. Yeah. It's a lot more responsibility moving from right guard to center in Malk's case. And I think he profiles better as a guard just based on his athleticism. He's mm-hmm. able to get out in space, especially in his own blocking scheme. And let's say the Bucks round one pick 26 to go with like Graham Barton from Duke. Yeah. Put him at left guard. You have Cody Malk at right guard. You have like Tristan Wirfs, Barton, and maybe a veteran center. Mm-hmm. you have like rookies in between veterans. And I think that it'll yes. get a lot better than just having a rookie center or like a second year center, uh, a rookie guard and maybe a veteran guard. So I, I think the path for the Bucks would be getting a center uh, like the guy from the Cowboys or Aaron Brewer from the Titans. Yeah. And then getting a rookie guard. I think it'll go a lot better that way. I'm totally with you uh, on that for sure. It worked with Ryan Jensen before because that's a, another Ryan Jensen in the same category as like Shaq Barrett, like a guy that was mostly on the bench. He got the start, I believe, his last year with the Ravens, or maybe yeah. two his second to last year with the Ravens, and then obviously his final year with the Ravens. But Jason Light's done a great job of finding that unproven guy and making him into a star. So I'm curious if the Bucks end up making some type of signing where like, huh. I never really thought of that. And then you're like, oh, my God, like this player yeah, is amazing. amazing. Like, shout out to him and Spytech for finding all of those guys. But I, I don't think there's any question that they need to upgrade at center. And that's not because I don't like Robert Hainsey. I love him as a backup center, a guy where, oh, this guy's out for week 15. Hainsey's going to come in. You go, OK, all right, no problem. Like, sure. You take like a little bit six of offensive lineman. Yeah, like he could also maybe fill in at guard if needed, but you're not like looking at at him as a starter. And that's what the Bucks did occasionally with Jensen when they had AQ Shipley. They actually moved Ryan Jensen to guard and had AQ Shipley in the game. I think when either Kappa was out, it it was um the year when Ronald Jones of all people had a 98 yard touchdown run. Ryan Jensen, people forget Ryan Jensen was in that guard on that play when Hmm. uh when Ronald Jones scored. But anyway, having at center a guy like Ryan Jensen, getting that upgrade over Robert Hainsey, it's super important because having a center that can do his job and, and function at a high level, that just brings stability and and a foundation, a foundation that is just as important when you are buying a home. And if you're going to buy a home in the Tampa Bay area, I could not recommend more working with Eric Gross and the Eric Gross Realty Group. Eric is a huge Bucks fan. He's been on the show a couple of times. He knows his Bucks football. And buying a home is one of the most important things you'll do in your life. So if you're going to go through that process, you want to be working with someone that you can get along with, be on the same page with. And Eric Gross is that guy. And you could talk football with him as well because if, you, if you're watching this show – you are a football fan, and we love that about you, the Peter people. It takes a full-team effort to win a football game, and it takes a full-team effort to win in real estate. The Eric Gross Group has done hundreds of transactions in this crazy real estate market and has experience in all types of situations. Eric is an avid Peter Report reader and a Tampa native whose father was stationed at McDill Air Force Base. 
He and his team have the market knowledge, top-notch communication, and commitment to excellent service that sets them apart. With their strong team of vendors and a network of over 85,000 agents, the Eric Gross Group will turn your dream of buying or selling a home into reality. Their clients are not just transactions. They are lifelong friendships. Don't let the stress of buying or selling a home keep you out of the game. Let the Eric Gross Group take the pressure off. Find them on Facebook and Instagram at Eric Gross Group. and Check out their website at housesinfla.com or give them a call at 513-907-4271. That's housesinfla.com for their website and their number is 513-907-4271. No matter where you are in your home ownership journey, you'll feel welcome with the Eric Gross Group, the official realtor of pewterreport.com. All right, Adam, any other uh, positions of note that you would like to discuss as we wind down the show? Yeah, there's one other position I want to get into, uh, strong safety. So free safety, uh, assume Antoine Winfield Jr. is going to be back. But with Ryan Neal gone, they need a strong safety. Yes, and a couple, couple options I like. So uh, it's based on if they don't get franchise tagged. Uh, but Cameron sure. Curl from Washington and Kyle uh, Duger from New England, I think, yeah. would be both great options, uh, especially for Todd Bull's defense. Uh, so getting into uh, Cameron Curl, he was more under the radar on Washington with so many high draft picks. He was a seventh-round pick, actually. But with having 53 career starts, he's only going to be 25 uh, by the yeah. time that season starts. Really like him. Has graded out well. Could slide in and coverage, play in the box. And then you have Kyle Duger from New England, kind of that do-it-all guy. Yeah. And when you look at Washington and New England undergoing coaching changes, uh, different regimes. They could be two players being let go. And so maybe eight to $10 million if they want a bigger uh, safety, both of them profile really well. And then I know Josh Capel talked about Geno Stone uh, from mm-hmm. the Ravens and Jeremy Chin from the Panthers. Again, that guy that they can play down in the box, let Antoine Winfield Jr. do his thing, or in Geno Stone's case, Hey, you had a guy who had seven interceptions last year. Yeah. Put him with Antoine Winfield. You're talking about plays for days with those two. So um, a lot of intriguing options there. Plays for days. I love that. Yeah, I was a big, 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 big fan of Kyle Duggar at the Senior Bowl, partially because he played at a school named Lenore Ryan, which I had never heard of up until yeah. following him at the Senior Bowl. Um. And, you know, like if Bill Belichick wanted you on the, I know Belichick has sucked with his, his drafting and being a GM, but that was mostly on the offensive side. Bill Belichick knows defense and knows how to operate a defense. So when Bill Belichick wants you on his defense, you know you're doing something right. And, yeah, just right. kind of a jack-of-all-trades type of dude. Now, the fact that Belichick is gone, because if he was still there and he let Kyle Duggar go, I'd be like, hmm. What does he know that whatever team signs him is about to find out? Because we've seen that with the Patriots. They trade Richard Seymour and Chandler Jones. Jamie Collins. Jamie Collins. Yeah, like there's a long list of that. But now that it's not Belichick calling the shots, and maybe it's more of a financial thing, I think Duggar would be a very intriguing fit for the Bucs. Jeremy Chin as well. I mean, Bucs have seen him a ton. Um, going back to that Ronald Jones tackle, I think he was the guy that missed the last tackle. Like he almost got Ronald Jones 40 yards down the field. He like dove at his legs and 
it like tripped him up for a second, but he, he stayed on his feet. Hustle guy will get in your face again, kind of like is up for anything as a safety. Yeah. A player like that, I think Todd Bowles will always gravitate to. And then to your point, the the former Ravens or the Ravens safety, the Bucks secondary needs interceptions. I, I know we've been asking for the corners to get it a little bit more than their safeties, but at this point, anyone can chip. They'll in. take we'll, anyone. We'll in the sec- <laughs> they'll take anyone in the secondary that can get their hands on the football and hold on to the football. Carlton yeah. Davis and Jamel Dean can get their hands on the football. They just don't normally hold on to it. I think even. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like an NBA equivalent of like a J.R. Smith who is just going to go in, chuck threes, and like hopefully he gets hot one game and hits a lot, and then he'll have another one where he just kind of freezes out. I yeah. wouldn't mind the Bucks trying to sign a ball-hawking defensive back, whether it's corner, whether it's safety, and you know what? Maybe there are times that he gets burned and allows a big play or a touchdown because we see that even with this Bucks defense of, oh, Busted coverage, miscommunication. You're already getting that stuff anyway with the Bucks defense. Yeah. I wouldn't mind the Bucks signing a guy that will take some risks, but they do pay off at times, and you get that interception. You get that big pick six. You get that big play that was kind of missing from the Bucks secondary outside of Antoine Winfield Jr. forcing a 1,000 fumbles at the goal line to prevent yeah. the touchdown. Yeah, I think that's what the Bucks defense really missed this last season was that Mike Edwards, that Jordan Whitehead. Yes, I mean, there's Mike arguments Edwards, to be made absolutely. why the, the Bucks could bring back one of those players because they need that. I'm going to be thinking of who would be a J.R. Smith equivalent, but yeah, somebody know, that can make those, make those plays because yeah. besides Antoine Winfield Jr., there wasn't a lot of plays made on the defensive side. No, there was not. But of course, all this talk about free agency comes down to dollars and cents. And speaking of your own dollars and cents, you want to make sure your money is in the right spot. So you want to have it safe and secure. Make sure you work with the Muni Financial. At A Muni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's it diamond treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead, stay ahead. Muni Financial has been proudly serving clients across the country since 1980. They can help you with a number of different things, including investment banking, annuities, and sales and trading. They can help you set up a college account for your kid as well. So give Muni Financial a call, get a free consultation, and they have offices all throughout the country, not just Colorado and Tampa. You can go to Baltimore. You can go to Michigan. You can go anywhere in the United States and you can find Immunity Financial. So give them a call, get a free consultation over at Immunity Financial. All right, that's going to do it for us on today's show. Great conversation about free agency. We'll do it all again next week. In the meantime, please make sure you're following us on all of our social media on X, Facebook, Instagram, and Threads. And subscribe to our YouTube channel at Pewter Report TV. We want to get those followers up and we need your guys' help to do it. So please, Like, subscribe, leave a comment after the show is done. We'd really appreciate it from all of you pewter people. All right, that's it for us. For Adam Slavon, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. And we'll see you next week for a new 
slate of editions of the Pewter Report podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody. Peace out. Out.